Ellis, Bush to Cleveland. Cleveland with the kill, and that will wrap it up. Newton able to keep it up. Here's Ellis trying to end it, and she does. Purdue upsets Wisconsin at home. Number three, Ohio State reeling. The block party on their Collins feet. Setting up Peterson again. Block! Boilermakers do it! They survived the upset with a three-set run to win in five and advance to the Sweet 16 for the third consecutive year. Welcome back to the Dig City Podcast. Uh, Corey Palm alongside uh, head coach Dave Shondell. Coach, really appreciate you finding some time to, to share you know, the story of the last few weeks with uh, with me and, and with our viewers and listeners, of course. Uh, it's been eventful, to say the very least. Uh, we will get to the, the action on the court and take a look ahead at uh, this weekend. First, off the top, uh, wanted to pass along condolences, uh, the loss of Dr. Don Shondell and, and thoughts and, and certainly prayers with you and all of the, the Shondell clan and the hundreds of people that, uh, that he touched uh, during his truly amazing life. Well, thanks, Corey. Um, certainly, you, you never like to to deal with that with a, when your father passes away, but uh, dad was almost 93 years old. Um, about three years ago, he had broken his hip and uh, he really couldn't get back over the hump um, health-wise for the most part. And uh, then when uh, he got hit with the COVID uh, on top of a urinary tract infection and had a kidney issue and um, a few other things. It was just, it was just too much to overcome, <clears throat> but uh, what a great life he led. And uh, you know, the, the incredible outpouring of support uh, has certainly helped, I think, you know, made us all understand that he had a huge impact on so many people in the Muncie and Ball State community in the world of volleyball. But more importantly, my dad was an educator. You know, I mean, people think, you know, coaches nowadays, all they do is coach. There wasn't a year where my dad wasn't coaching and teaching. He was teaching classes at Ball State all the time. And after he retired from uh, coaching, he still taught for about 10 more years at, at Ball State University. So uh, he was a teacher first. And uh, actually, he was, a, I think, a father and a husband first, family guy first. And, uh, you know, I've learned so much. And I told my wife um, after, after he had passed away, I said, how many people can wake up every morning and, and make great decisions when all you have to do is think, what would my dad do? Yeah. And I've done that for years. You know, I mean, what, what would my dad do right now? Because that's what I should do. And that's the kind of respect that I think that I and a lot of people have for him. And that we'll have a, we'll have a big celebration for him. We had a small family um, burial and, you know, funeral service for him last Monday. But when Ball State plays Ohio State in men's volleyball, I think that's sometime in March. We're going to blow the roof off the Don Shondell practice facility and and uh, have thousands of people there, I think, to enjoy that event. So that's that's the plan and looking forward to it. And I appreciate it. And I think everybody needs to know that our family is doing very, very well. And uh, we just appreciate that it was a long, productive life that impacted a lot of people in, in a positive way. I love that, you know, once he coached the highest levels of, of the game, and had had you know uh, an impact. He's a Hall of Famer, of course. Every Hall of Fame you can imagine. But when he was done coaching, you know, at the, at the highest levels, he went right back into coaching, you know, club and and younger 
kids to to just he was coaching eight eight nine and ten year olds okay with the Munciana program uh, called the Scooby Doo's and when I would go back and talk to him he would love to sing the Scooby Doo song that the, his team would his group would sing it was all the about fifty or sixty really young kids and he was also coaching middle school volleyball at um, at Burris and you know one thing I, I saw some people write afterwards or quotes that I saw afterwards and this is really true. It didn't matter if you were the most talented player in the gym or the least talented player in the gym. You got equal attention from Dr. Don. And that, that doesn't happen. Most, most coaches at that level, they're just wanting to work with the best. But he paid every bit as, atten as much attention to that kid that maybe just was starting out or didn't have the skills. So um, pretty neat guy. Yeah, yeah. And, and then the last, my, you know, another awesome story, then we'll, we'll move on. I, I love that the last competitive volleyball match you know he got to see was was his granddaughter winning the state title up there such a blessing for uh i know unfortunately you weren't able to be there because the, the team was on the road but uh yeah. that was that was pretty awesome for the state championships to be in muncie and and for him to be able to to be courts well to be right at ball state at his home where he's won so many matches and and built built this volleyball juggernaut uh in the state of indiana across the midwest but also it was the 50th year anniversary for high school volleyball so all these championship coaches uh and there were probably 40 50 60 of them that came back and all of them wanted to get their picture taken with dr don and uh probably where he got the COVID, to be honest with you but um nonetheless um he wouldn't have wanted to miss that for anything uh, it, it was a fitting um finale yeah. Uh, for Dr. Don to be at, at Worthen Arena on the Ball State campus with all that volleyball royalty and uh, and then watch Allie, my niece, and his granddaughter win a state championship. So, no, it was a great way to finish. Definitely, definitely. Uh, moving on, you, you had a, a heck of a week. You had that on the, the front end of the week and so glad to hear that, that the family's doing so well. Um, uh, then you had to get ready for the NCAA tournament. Illinois State came in on Thursday. Um, I, I really thought you guys played about as well as uh, as well as could be expected on on kind of a short week with a, an unknown opponent came out and kind of did what you needed to do uh, as a team. Took care of the Redbirds in in pretty quick fashion. Three set sweep and and a pretty first set was pretty tight. Sets two and three were pretty dominant and uh, just general thoughts on on that first round win illinois state was really good um you know we always say that you know going into the match and after the match that's what we're taught to do but i was worried about illinois state because they had some really good arms and not just one or two on the left side they had they ran uh, an offense where they had hitters coming at you all the time and i knew that they were going to give us some trouble and we actually played really really well early uh, otherwise, we'd have lost the first set. But we, we played well and took their best shot, uh, fortunately, and won the first and then eventually kind of wore them down as the match went on. But I, I think the Redbirds were, were a really good team. Most of those players return, and they, they'll be a handful next year. But I thought we played at a high level. Um, the numbers indicated that, and uh, that's the way you want to start NCAA tournament play. For sure. Hope, hopefully they end up in somebody else's subregion next, next year. I agree there. They're a very talented team. Round two, you get a, a tough Dayton, uh, Dayton squad who, you know, we've got history with Dayton. We've got history with every team in, in this subregion, as it turns out. But uh, that, that tends to happen. Dayton took care of Marquette, played very well. 
uh, on on night one and came in uh, came in on fire against you guys on Friday uh, early early start. Dayton won the first two sets. Um, things appeared to be going sideways for the Boilermakers. You you made a, a sideways shift. sideways at best. Sideways at best, yeah. <laughs> sideways, upside down, and backwards at times. Um, made a tactical shift late in the second with uh, with JL Johnson coming out and Taylor Trammell coming in. Taylor blocked out of her mind, hit very efficient, and and was one of the real stars of the night as you get the reverse sweep and win in five uh, to the delight of a sold-out Holloway gym. Well, Dayton had won 20 matches in a row coming into that um second round match. And it, it's really hard to, to gauge how good Dayton is because their league's not real strong. And, and, and they'll tell you that. I mean, it's yeah. not a real strong league. And so they had been challenged maybe a couple of matches uh, during the season, but it, it, I think it's hard for a coach to, to motivate his team when they know they're going to win every time they step on the floor, which they have done. And so we didn't see the best version of them on tape. And they played pretty well, I thought, against Marquette. And then they came out, um, and they, they like to play Purdue. i just tell you that right now. They yeah. like to play Purdue. And they jumped on us and, and served us really, really tough. And uh, Peterson, the three-time player of the year in their conference, the uh, Atlantic 10 conference, was really, really good early. Uh, Swink, the right-side player, the transfer from Alabama, uh, was playing like a monster on the right side and uh, their slide hitters were, were and middle hitters were doing a lot of damage to us. And uh, we were back on our heels. And, you know, fortunately uh, there was a break uh, in between games two and three of about five minutes. And I think our players collectively decided that, you know, this was a time to turn it around that, you know, they didn't want their season to end. And we've got a lot of, a lot of veteran players. It would have been the end of their career for seven Purdue volleyball players. And uh, with the help of some of the younger players, as you mentioned, Taylor Trammell, Maddie Chin, uh, Maddie Skimmerhorn, uh, Raven Colvin, and the rest of them, um, they got things turned around and, um, and just went on a, a terror for the last three sets, uh, as good a volleyball as I can remember ever being played in Holloway Gym. Yeah, 25-6 in that fourth set was, uh, was pretty astounding. You, you don't see single digits often. We've seen it a couple of times this year with, with your team. But you don't see it often. You certainly don't see it in the postseason. And uh, just the dominance was was amazing. It really seemed like early in set three, the tone was set with a couple well, a couple blocks. And uh, that kind of rallied your the the crowd for certain. But it seemed like it, it rallied your team and, and put a lot of confidence for the Boilers. Well, we're at our best when we're blocking balls. And uh, we are we are very athletic and we're long. And we take a lot of pride in our blocking. And if we're not blocking, then that can take some of the sting out of who we are. Mm -hmm. So uh, it was great to see both Raven, uh, Grace, um, Newton, and Trammell in particular, and uh, Haley Bush for that matter. Haley yeah, got, Haley got some, a couple. Some loud blocks, um, <laughs> really thundering blocks on the right side. So. Uh, yeah, overall, it was, uh, it, was, it was really fun to watch. And as, as I've said before, I just kind of stepped back. I know I was still involved in the game trying to coach, but I took some time just to kind of step back and watch and, and, and see the crowd and, and just take it all in when things started to go because sometimes the best thing a coach can do is stay out of it. And, uh, and I felt like that was my best plan is our, our kids were, 
were running the show and they decided that they were going to play their very, very best. And it was fun to watch. I love watching the, the maturation of a, of a coach where, you know, younger coaches might not understand that sometimes coaches get too involved, but uh, as you mm -hmm. go on, you, you, you come to realize that truism that sometimes just sit back and, and let things go. You, you trust your players. Well, when you've got the experience that we have and players that, that have earned that trust over the course of time, it's a little bit easier. Um, if you're, if you've got a young team, they probably need a little more guidance along the way, but this group, um, I've said all along, they could prepare, they could, they could run the whole show. They just need somebody to write a lineup down. And, and sometimes they don't get that right. Yep. Third straight sweet 16 for the program, uh, third straight, uh, sweet 16 as a, as a national seed, uh, you, you guys get ready to head to Pittsburgh for a, a morning match and you, you're getting the early date or the, the early start times, it seems like, which is just fine. You know what? One, one thing I wanted to touch on before we move on, um, speaking of start times, you guys had the early start on Friday, but, but you didn't find out your opponent until late Saturday. Um, I've always kind of wondered, uh, just as a fan, as an observer of sport, is that, um, is that sort of an extra reward, that extra 24 hours to just be able to enjoy your victory without having to immediately turn the page? It, it really was was comforting and uh, kind of a relaxing feeling to know that most of the country that was in the NCAA tournament was going to have to go out and beat somebody that day. And we had already done our work. Uh, but once I started to watch the volleyball, my stress level jacked up pretty fast. <laughs> Just ask my wife. And uh, so I, you know, I, I was, as I mentioned, I think on the presser this morning, I was concerned about the Penn State pit game because that dictated whether we were going to play at home or on the road. And even before that game started or the Utah BYU game started, I was already stressing out watching these other matches. So I might have been better off just going to the lake and, um, and doing some work over there and, and not paying any attention. But um, it, it was rewarding for a while. And then all of a sudden, reality hit. Uh, but I do like the fact that we had an extra day in between that a lot of these teams didn't. Yep. Um, you know, you get to look at your schedule and determine what's going to be best for your home institution if you want to host. And with the basketball game Friday night with Iowa, we could not play Friday, Saturday as easily as we could Thursday, Friday. So that worked out really well. And especially with the regionals now being moved up a day yeah. in the past, that's been a Friday, Saturday situation. And now because they're giving us a day in between to whoever wins the a third round match is going to have a day in between, which is long overdue. Um, they're moving that up. So it was nice that we got the extra day and, and hopefully that will be helpful. So you get BYU at 11 a.m. Eastern on Thursday morning. Uh, folks can watch it on ESPNU. Uh, interesting uh, sort of linking two things together here. You get an early start time against a team from the mountain time zone um, who's traveling east on one less day rest. Uh, it's it's kind of a bad break for BYU, but but uh, you know once once they roll the ball out, I guess none of that really matters, does it? I don't think so. No, I mean I think teams are going to play the way teams are going to play, and um, they're healthy. You know they they don't have any injury issues. We don't have any injury issues. You know major, and uh, so I expect the best version of both teams to open up the NCAA regional play on uh, Thursday out at Pitt. And uh, our team's looking forward to the experience. You know, you, 
you train your entire life for an opportunity like this. You know, these guys get the opportunity to come to the Big Ten, and it's a meat grinder every every crazy weekend in the Big Ten. And then you get in the NCAA tournament, and if you're fortunate enough, you get to be one of the 16 teams that play in the regional round. And, and this is when it should be a lot of fun. Now, certainly a lot of preparation and a lot of focus has to take place, but um, there, there really isn't a bad scenario right now. Um, go out and play the best you can play and let, you know, let everything take care of itself, let the fur fly, and I think that's what our team will do. I know, uh, I know just talking about BYU a little bit, you're, they've got some size. They've got uh, some size in the middle for sure. You, you're, you're a big fan of their setter, even though she actually lacks a little bit of size, a bit on the shorter side, even, even would you say, about 5'8", right? Yeah, she's listed at 5'8", and she really makes that team go. She's a fifth-year kid, a grad student, which they have several of. But then again, we've got veteran players here as well, yep. which I think has helped us uh, get this far. Um, but, no, she's a great little setter. Uh, I really, I really like her. She's from the state of Idaho, which, um, you know, you don't think of a ton of great volleyball players coming out of Idaho, but there have been some, and she certainly is one of them. But uh, the right side player is a lefty that transferred from Utah that's got a great arm, a very physical, tough, hard-nosed player. Uh, both their left sides, uh, one's six foot, one's six three, but they've got live arms and uh, have a variety of shots. And then the middles are six five and six four. We've seen some big size. As a matter of fact, Dayton was 6'5 and 6'4. That's true, yeah. Um, and so, you know, we've kind of seen some, some of that here uh, lately, and hopefully that will, will prepare us well for playing against that type of size. We're more of a, uh, I think, a quicker athletic type team, uh, especially in the middle and on the right side. Uh, so, but I think it'll be a great matchup. And uh, one thing you know about BYU is they're going to be very, very well coached and very well prepared. And so you better do your homework if you want to stay in the match with them. Definitely. A, a, a couple other similarities with, uh, with, with Dayton, actually BYU also on a massive winning streak. They finished the season 30 and one. Their last loss was back on September 10th, a four setter against Pittsburgh, actually in Fitzgerald Fieldhouse. So they're, they're in a, uh, a venue they're familiar with. Uh, they were out there for, uh, you know, an early season tournament. Um, they did sweep Michigan State early this season, but but they again they play in a in a conference that, while probably stronger than the A10, it is not full of a lot of national uh, powers. Yeah, they've got uh, you know San Diego, who's you know really really good. Pepperdine, who has been good. LMU was probably the uh, next best team out there. Um, so it it's hard to go back and find a lot of tape of them playing against uh, great competition. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and that's one thing that concerns me just a little bit. But as I mentioned before, I think that uh, we know what BYU likes to do. I'm familiar with what they have done over the course of time. And we know that they always are a very consistent team. They're going to play well. They're not going to give you anything. Um, so. I think we're off to a good start with our preparation on them. It's just a matter of continually watching and, and, and learning more as the week goes on. <clears throat> a, a rally call for uh, Boilermaker fans who might be in the Pittsburgh area, uh, Northeast Ohio, Western Pennsylvania, get out, support this, support this team, no doubt. Yeah, we've got to, we've got to get some fans out there for sure. Um, and, I hope that we do. We've, I've, I've not had a team in 19 years that 
the fans have enjoyed more than this team. The crowds have been great, even on the road. Uh, we've had great following on the road. You know, I, I was thinking about this, Corey, and be eager to get your uh, take on it. But if if this was our men's basketball team or a football team or even a baseball team playing in the, the third round of the Sweet 16, how many how many alumni off those teams would show up? A oh, lot of much. them. A lot of them. Yep. And yet somehow with women, it's not it's not something that that's being done. I mean, I'm sure we'll I hope we'll have some out there, but I'd like to get to a point where whether it's you know women's basketball, women's volleyball, women's softball, whatever it might be, soccer, where our our women alumni realize they've got every bit as right to go to those matches and those contests as the male counterparts do. And yet in our society, that continues to be something that that just doesn't happen. I mean, they've got to almost ask permission sometimes, which is crazy. Uh, you know, can they go out and support? So I would love to see our alumni. We've got 40 plus years of, of volleyball alumni here at Purdue. And, and, and I hope that they'll consider going out to Pitt. It's not like they're going across the country or across the world. It's about a six hour and 15 minute trip from West Lafayette. So if they're closer than West Lafayette, it's even an easier trip. But mm-hmm. um, I, I really am pleading with our people to, to, to do what they can to get out to uh, Pittsburgh uh, to watch us play 11 a.m. on uh, opening day. It's the very first contest. But on top of that, just thanking our fans so much for what they've done for this team this season. And the roar of that crowd on Friday night was a difference maker when our team came back, um, you know, still that five-setter to advance on to the Sweet 16. It was as loud as uh, as loud as I've ever heard it in Holloway Gym. It made us – it's a little difficult to do our broadcast at times, which is, is yeah. not a bad thing. Um, yeah, get out there, support the Boilermakers. We, we didn't even talk about uh, uh, Pittsburgh and Kansas playing in the other half of the bracket. Should be a good match there, Pittsburgh, or uh, excuse me, Kansas with the uh, the upset over Creighton, I believe. Um, yeah, Kansas round. beat Creighton. Kansas has been playing pretty well, and we knew they were a talented team when they came into our place. Uh, in the non-conference season. And uh, we thought that we were really sharp that night and went through them in three. Uh, they're certainly an underdog uh, against Pitt. Pitt has been ranked in the top three the entire season, yep. uh, usually right behind uh, Louisville and Texas. Uh, Pitt is um, just a really good team. They've been really good for the last three, four years. It's been really hard to beat. So, um we, I watched that match between Penn State and Pitt. That could have gone either way. Uh, Penn State had leads, and I think every match, that, every set they lost, they had leads at crucial yeah. times and just couldn't seal the deal. It was, uh, was 23-21 in the fourth. They were, they were two yeah. points away from four and five, yeah. Yeah, So, uh, but Pitt's for real, and it'll, it'll take a great match from, from Kansas, I think, to beat Pitt in that second match. Definitely, definitely. Uh, you want to spend any time talking about the Big Ten? Another great showing, six teams into the Sweet 16, including uh, Illinois with, the, with a big upset of the defending national champs. Yeah, I felt like um, the Big Ten was really, really good, and I thought partially was that because the Big Ten's always good. Second of all, I thought there were a lot of returning players, a lot of these super seniors, as they were being called. Uh, Wisconsin has about seven of them, um, and – Minnesota had their fair share and Nebraska had their fair share. Of course, we had, a, we had two, um, but no, it's, it's great to see our, our conference, um, you know, showcasing their skills and uh, to get six out of 16 from one league is pretty impressive. And you're right. Illinois play was tremendous at Kentucky. 
to go in there and just really control that match from start to finish. And I, and I was impressed with that. The only upset really was, um, you know, Michigan getting beat by Ball State. Uh, the Cardinals of Ball State knocked off Michigan. Good for Kelly Miller and yep. Tiffany Fisher. Those are two Boilermaker alumni that, um, you know, led that team to a, a gigantic win for Ball State. So happy, happy for them. And then Penn State, as you mentioned, the other team that got beat, and they could have very easily knocked off the number three seed in the country. Uh, they were right there. So the league um, is as good as we, th we thought it was, and um, hopefully the teams will do well here this weekend. Yeah, for sure. We, we always cheer for the Big Ten, but we cheer for, uh, we cheer for Kelly Miller and, and Tiffany Fisher more. So, uh, that, that's so true. Good, good on Ball State. Um, Coach, good luck out in Pittsburgh. Cannot wait to see uh, what, uh, what other magic this team has in store. Well, we feel like we're in a good position, uh, but if you think too much about the fact that you might be in a good position, you're going to get beat. So uh, we're going to make sure we're on edge and ready to go and play with great intensity and not let anybody play harder than Purdue. And if, if that's the case, we like our chances. Absolutely. Can't wait to see it, Coach. Uh, Thanks, Coach. Travel safe. Good luck. Boiler up. Boiler up.